0: Welcome to Talking Tropes,
1: where we're going to take you on a trope down memory lane. I'm David. And I'm Hannah.
0: And this is the podcast where we talk about all the different tropes and cliches of writing in movies and TV. Um, Today we're recording on uh, December 21st, 2017, which happens to be the 80th anniversary of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about one of Disney's most famous tropes, which is uh, animal and non-human sidekicks.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited about this conversation um, yes. because I feel like...
0: It's very personal. It's a personal topic.
1: Well, I feel like also we're on very different sides of this
0: All particular right. argument. All right. Well, why don't we start with, uh, you know, who our favorites are? What's your favorite uh, Disney sidekick?
1: Um, I think this is going to make you really mad. Okay. Uh, I think it's Mushu.
0: Mushu. Mushu bothers me in a number of ways. Um,
1: (laughs) uh, I, I believe so because in our, um, in our show notes, uh, folder, you have tentatively titled this episode,
0: does Mushu ruin Mulan? Yeah. We just wanted to, uh, you know, maybe get, get some people in with a, with a clickbaity title. Um, and I would say yes, unequivocally, no. Um, in some ways I think that Mushu diminishes Mulan as an effective story, um, and that he could have been utilized better. Um, he's not the worst uh, Disney sidekick. Um, I, I won't go into who that is right now.
1: Yeah, wow. That'll be a fun thing, I think, to discover <laughs> along the way, who we think is the worst Disney sidekick.
0: Right, um, for sure. Um, my favorite, which I think you might disagree with, okay. is my favorite is Turk from Tarzan, who I would consider to be a Disney side sidekick.
1: Sure. Yeah, okay. Well, so let's talk about Turk for a second.
0: Okay, yeah, let's do it. Um I like Turk for sure because I think Rosie O'Donnell is actually really funny and is this is one of the few comic relief character sidekicks with a, you know, with a with a celebrity voice that I actually think like adds to the story. Um because, you know, Turk is a legitimate close friend to Tarzan and we see their relationship develop and change over the course of the story. We see them become friends after being sort of like, you know, a bully victim relationship. And then in the end we, you know, we have, and and then like over the course we have Turk like dressing up like, um, (laughs) dressing up like Jane at one point as part of like a trick and, Um, then there's all this other nonsense. And then in the end, you kind of find that like, okay, Turk and Tarzan, they're going to stay together. They're going to stay friends and they, you know, and they're, 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 they're just such a great pair of buds.
1: (laughs) For sure. I think like, I would not argue with the fact that they're best friends. Um, I, I think what might help us with this definition a little bit is to go back to um, to the first Disney movie, Snow White, the anniversary of which is today, as the day we're recording, <laughs> not the day this is airing, and sort of look at how animal sidekicks were used in that.
0: Right. I mean, like, because here's the thing, in Snow White, they're not really animal sidekicks. It's more like... Snow White has, like, the mutant power to control <laughs> all nature.
1: She's the Aquaman of the forest.
0: She might be an X-Man. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um.
1: Um, I, I mean, Disney owns that now, so. <laughs>
0: right. Um, Who knows? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, for sure, the villain, the evil queen, has a couple sidekicks, which are um, an evil bird, evil raven with no name. Because villains just have ravens in the Disney universe. I don't know what that is. Um, and, of course, the magic mirror.
1: Same with Maleficent.
0: Yeah, Maleficent also had an evil raven named Diablo. Because Maleficent is the best villain. Um, I don't think that there's she a lot is. of, you know, contention on that. Like, she's just... Yeah,
1: I don't know. I feel like Ursula might give her some decent run for that. But
0: Ursula is just Maleficent like remade you know maleficent is the prime evil sorceress you know and the mistress of all evil you know she invented disney villainy
1: yeah but did ursula perfect it
0: all right no <laughs> <laughs> not with this not what this podcast is okay. about um but yeah um <laughs> The so yeah, uh, Snow White definitely has animals that are sidekicky, but they don't have that sort of marketable toy quality. Right. Like the modern ones do. Um but then you go on to like Sleeping Beauty, um and that's when you get your first horse.
1: The first horse?
0: Does that horse have a name? I don't remember the name of that horse.
1: Oh, he does have a horse. The prince calls it out. I do forget it though.
0: Um, but he's he the that horse is very interesting to me because he sort of forms the basis of all of the future horses, right?
1: Yeah, and I think like for all animation horses, like not just Disney, because this horse is like sassy and has a personality and like an attitude. And, and his like, name is
0: Samson. Samson, which there you is go. Pretty, which is pretty chic. Um <laughs> Uh, and I think like the idea for having a horse with personality is it's kind of like Kit from Knight Rider, you know, it's a, we have a tendency to sort of personify our modes of transportation a little bit. Well, and
1: you horses know? are like actual thinking creatures too.
0: Well, I mean, of course horses are <laughs> actual thinking creatures, but I think we, we tend to have... Our our modes of transportation, we kind of treat them like like people for some reason, um, not just like horses. We treat them like human beings, and like I think you can carry that over to like Kit from Knight Rider, or or even like the TARDIS from Doctor Who is like it's a vehicle that is personified. I don't know. Maybe I'm over intellectualizing. Just that Disney likes cute talking horses. Yeah, I think
1: uh, here's the thing. I think horses are especially since a lot of these movies are set in the past and horses are sort of the main mode of transportation. Like, there were just bound to be a lot of them, and so you kind of wanted to make the Capitalize. ones... Right, like, any character you're going to spend kind of a decent amount of time with, you want to make them somewhat
0: memorable. Right. But, I mean, like, you know, there was a horse that was ridden on in Snow White and that it had no character whatsoever. That's true. Um, you know, the prince rides in on a horse and it's a vehicle and nothing more. But at some point, you know, before they made Sleeping Beauty, they were like, alright, sidekicks. Characters need sidekicks. And that's I think when when this really started.
1: But like, is that movie funny? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but it is trying to be. I mean the the comic relief in that movie are the dwarves.
1: But right, so that movie's not funny necessarily. Um, no. But I found Sleeping Beauty...
0: Cinderella's trying to be funny.
1: Cinderella for sure has some funny moments. Um, but I think it starts with Sleeping Beauty. Like, Sleeping Beauty has some, like, funny moments. Which is why I'm glad that I rewatched it. Because I definitely enjoyed it more now as an Also, it's a short movie. It's not even 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, that was a big thing when animation was a lot more expensive and experimental. Um, yeah. Movies were shorter. But they're still pretty short. I mean... Every, everything today, like, is is under two hours. I think the longest one is, like, an hour and 47 well, minutes. Well, because
1: it's a lot to ask a child to sit through two hours of movie.
0: Yeah, I think a scientist, I, I don't know, somebody just told me this. I, I don't have any sources on this, but um, apparently <laughs> someone at Disney corporate discovered that that is precisely how long a child can hold its pee. So, that's how you do it.
1: So, if they pee before, I You know, I wouldn't put it past those Disney
0: scientists. (laughs) Those Disney scientists. Um, Yeah. But, like, all of the – a lot of the major classic Disney movies had sort of sidekicks. You have, like, Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket. Which I
1: think we would count as an animal sidekick. Like, I think – Yeah, for sure. He's maybe the first animal sidekick that um, talked.
0: Yes. Which I think – Yeah.
1: Especially if we're going to – work our way up to Mushu, I think that's right. important.
0: Yeah. These are the these are, you know, conscience characters. They are right. you know, alter egos. They reflect our character's, you know, psyche.
1: Yes. And I, I think one interesting note too about Jiminy um in relationship to Mushu is the fact that he's sort of the prototype. Like he's the
0: Yeah, a little bit. The
1: the trope standard, so to speak.
0: I think it's also, you know, somewhat important that I believe Jiminy Cricket was actually in the book, right? You know, he was not inserted, but his presence made an impact on, you know, whatever corporate Actually, was Jiminy Cricket in
1: the original tale?
0: Yeah, there was a talking cricket in the book, but I don't know if he was called Jiminy. You know, Jiminy is kind of a, you know, Americanized thing. I think Cinderella also, you know, was pretty integral in defining what we now know as Disney sidekicks. You got Jacques and Gus, Gus.
1: All right. Oh, good old Gus.
0: I've I was bothered by them, but you know, these are basically the same as um, as Snow White's animal friends, who she just com- controls with her mind. But um, in this one, they talk and have personality.
1: There's some pleases and thank yous. Like, I wouldn't say Cinderella controls these animals. They certainly do. Listen, if
0: you're going to control someone, if you're going to control someone with your mind, you should at least say please (sighs) and thank you just as a courtesy. (laughs) But I, I mean, clearly, I don't think that Snow White really needed to, like, explain what to do. She was controlling these animals with her mind. Um, you know, you don't... She didn't explain to the animals what sweeping was. They just kind of did it.
1: Right, but, like, with Cinderella... With Cinderella, you can sort of assume that, like, they've had this relationship oh, yeah. for a while. And they've decided yeah, to help Cinderella, her, like- they're
0: characters. There wasn't any mind control going on here. That's what I'm saying, is this is the difference between Snow White and Cinderella, is Cinderella is a kind person who, like mice that are already wearing clothes just sort of are attracted to.
1: Yeah, she also made them clothes.
0: Oh, she made them the clothes. I thought that they just had clothes. No,
1: I think she made it for them. That makes a lot more
0: sense. Um, Cinderella also has another villain sidekick in in the evil cat. Yes. Cats are evil and birds are evil. Remember that.
1: Mice are always good.
0: Um, and horses are, horses are neutral.
1: Horses can be evil, but they can also be good.
0: There's only one villain horse that I know of that's actually got a name and, you know, a personality. And that's, uh... From the Hunchback of Notre Dame, one of my favorite Disney movies, Claude Frollo, the villain, has a horse named Snowball, who is Jet Black. The fact that it's named Snowball is never mentioned in the movie because it would be a little bit, you know, silly. But I just think it's great that you have, you know, this evil horse and there's a good horse in the same movie. Uh, The good horse in that one is Achilles, which is um, Phoebus's horse who has some slapstick moments and some personality. But yeah, so horses are neutral, birds are evil. There's one more bird I think that we haven't mentioned, right? Uh,
1: evil bird.
0: Oh no, there's there's two okay. more birds. There's Iago yes. from evil Aladdin, bird. and there's the bad horse or the bad bird <laughs> the horse, from. The <laughs> there's the the bad bird from Mulan. Yes, the evil falcon, a, a hawk, hawk named Hayabusa. Oh, Named after the possessed demons. Didn't sword. I even
1: know it had a name?
0: Yeah, most of these you just find on like Wikipedia and like, <laughs> That's what the that's what its name is. You know the cricket from Mulan, its name is Crick Key with a hyphen in the middle of kri and key. Alright,
1: there you go, the more you know.
0: Um so do you want to talk about Mulan right now? Is this this seamless yeah. transition? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Now that you've called attention to it, absolutely
0: right. Um, so let, let's talk about Mushu. All right. What do you like about Mushu? What What do you think?
1: Ah, uh, Mushu. I think he's an interesting character because I think he's like the anti uh, Jiminy Cricket.
0: Right. Because he has like a he, he's he's always the the voice of not reason.
1: Well, not even necessarily. Like he he does have some like helpful suggestions sometimes and like, but like he's so self-motivated. Like he's trying to help Mulan, but not because he actually cares about Mulan, but like at least at first.
0: Okay. You say at least at first, but like the one scene where we actually get to see him, you know, reflect on his actions. I don't feel like he has actually learned anything. Um, Like the, 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 I guess what I would say, the contradiction of Mushu is, that you need a helper character for Mulan to sort of help her become who she is, but you don't want to take away any of her agency. So you have this character there that is serving the same role as Jiminy Cricket, you know, providing helpful hints and, you know, trying to keep them on the straight and narrow, but he has to give her all bad advice so that she can come to the correct conclusions by herself.
1: But I think that's fine. I think that serves... Like an important narrative purpose, like Uh, I think know I think it builds Mulan's character that like even despite but oh and like he does help her out a few times like when all the guys come in she's swimming like he scares them off for her and And this is
0: my thing is I feel like the writers kind of artificially inserted some things that for him to do that I feel like. You could just write him out, and it wouldn't affect the plot at all. But I
1: think he adds a lot of humor and fun, because, like, that's, that's I think, an important... Like, I don't want to downplay... But is this
0: a movie that's really lacking in humor and fun? I mean, you have three comic relief soldiers who are, like, the only soldiers.
1: Yeah, but, like, they still have to do war things. Like, Mushu gets to be independent of war things. And like But
0: even during the war things the three soldiers are still goofing around. That they you know, fire an arrow to oh, we fire an arrow with a rope. This is Harvey this is my Harvey Firestein. Um you fire a rope and then oops, we dropped the rope. Whoa Um You know <laughs> Like, they're still doing comedy stuff, but then you've also got Mushu there just sort of existing. I
1: don't know. I think
0: being Eddie Murphy. I
1: I think he adds a lot of humor and levity to the movie because, you know, Mulan isn't always with
0: the soldiers. I just think, you know, I I don't know. I've I've read think pieces, and I, I sort of agree with them that have said, you know, Mulan is not a complicated story. It's very simple. Sure. And it's about... A girl, a woman becoming um, a soldier and a war hero because she wants to. And I think that the idea of giving her like a helper rather than like a companion is is just like antithetical. And the fact that it's like a magical companion is weird because Mulan is a decidedly non-mystical story. So, okay, so, you know, disclaimer, Mushu does not ruin Mulan, but-
1: uh, I don't know, I like- I
0: think, it, I think he drags it down a little. I mean, let, let me just run through, like, there was a couple of plot points that I feel like he could just totally be written out of. Okay. So, you've got, there's one bit where, like, to make him useful during the war scene, like, Mulan lights a match, and then the match goes out, <laughs> and then he she uses uh, Mushu as a match lighter for a cannon. And it's like, well, just don't have the match go out. Well,
1: okay, but the whole point of the match going out was to show that, yes, this is a dumb, reckless idea that she's doing, even though it's like, like we see her point, you know? Um, but like, look, here's all the things that could go wrong with it. And, like, also, it builds tension up until the very last moment. It's like, she's almost there, but then, oh, no, the match goes out. Now what does or, she do? Or, you know,
0: light another match. I don't know. <sighs> just, like, you don't need Mushu for this. He's not relevant. <laughs> Same thing with, like, you know, lighting the fireworks at the end. You know, but he's I, basically just, like, a match. I guess. He's a human-dragon match. match.
1: I guess. I don't know. But I think, like, it also, especially... I, I always have to say, like, think of watching this as a kid. Like, how I did, did you watch
0: this as a kid? And as a
1: kid, you were like, I think Mushu really drags this movie down.
0: I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember liking Mushu that much. I never wanted a Mushu toy or anything. I think like, that's fair. I mean, like, there are animals that I think work because they're extensions of the hero. You know, like well, Abu example of
1: that? Okay. to
0: Aladdin is, you know, Abu is Aladdin's, you know, um, greed yeah. is avarice, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, f- I think for the most part, the, the, and, 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 and you know, um, J- Jasmine's tiger, what, what was that tiger's name? Um. Uh, Raja, Raja, the, the tiger is, you know, her, her feistiness, her, her fierceness and, and unwillingness to be caged, you know, like, I feel like you can have these sidekicks that represent something about the character and that makes them resonate. Not just that they like add some levity, right?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, I also just wanted to mention, cause I thought it was funny. Um, Mulan has a dog in the first scene. The dog's name is Little Brother. What? That's a weird name for a dog.
1: I don't think they ever say it.
0: They do, that's, I just watched really? it. Really? Mulan is like, Little Brother, Little Brother, and then a dog comes out and you're like, that's not a Little like, Brother, that's Like was this that's supposed a dog. to be like
1: the Chinese word for Little Brother? But then they were like, no, nah, we'll just call it. Well there's no
0: there's no dog named Little Brother in the original Mulan story uh, well, there's not if that's a what lot you're asking
1: in the original Mulan story like it was a highly <laughs> right. adapted.
0: But what I'm saying is what I'm saying is I think that this dog is named Little Brother because Mulan knew that her dad always wanted a son.
1: Stop making and this tragic. And she wished for a little
0: brother. Well, no cuz I think it's it's I it is a little tragic, but only tragic in the sense that like, you know, this is why Mulan has such, like, a, a need to be, like, a hero is because of the disappointment from her father. And that's her whole motivation in the story. I don't know. I think it's kind of, a, uh, I think it's kind of neat.
1: Uh, uh, neat or, like, again, horribly tragic. Um, but, you know right. what else is in Mulan? What? There's a horse, David.
0: There's a freaking horse,
1: there's a horse.
0: Named Khan. Khan the horse. No, I'm sorry. There's no horse in Mulan. It's a cow. It's a cow. <laughs> Da-doi. Of course. That's the, that's the old joke. It's a classic Disney joke, which is, is. you call an animal a different animal, and yep. it's funny. Um, they did the same thing in uh, Tangled, where they call Pascal the iguana a frog. <laughs> they did the same thing in Frozen, where Olaf calls... Um, Sven. Calls Sven a weird donkey, but then it turns <laughs> out that he's actually talking about Kristoff, and oh, it's a joke.
1: It is a joke.
0: The joke is that it's not a cow, it's a horse. I
1: see. I ugh, I might be a simple woman with simple taste, but I find that...
0: People really like that joke. I think it's probably the funniest joke Eddie Murphy does in the movie, but I don't think it's that good.
1: I, well, I think it's that basic subversion thing where it's like you, we all know it's a horse so of course you're gonna call it like a horse but then you're like no it's this other animal that's similar i don't know dishonor,
0: i don't need to explain you, the dishonor joke. on your cow <laughs> dishonor
1: dishonor on everyone there's oh, a lot no, of cows honor are funnier animals, like to say cows
0: are funny cow, cows are funny horses, horses are only funny and donkeys
1: those are all funnier than the original animal you're
0: right those are funny animals I, I take it all back. It's the best joke in any movie. Um, Bar none. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the only other thing that Mushu does of substance in the movie, besides lighting things that need to be lit, is um, he and the cricket write a letter to get Mulan to the front. Yeah. And you could argue, like, that's a really important plot point. That is. Holy shit. They would never even get to the battlefield if not for yeah. him. Yeah. Except that when they get there, you find out that they had already been, like, attacked by the Huns and were, like, decimated. So, of course, they would have sent a letter to get more soldiers to the front. Like, he's totally unnecessary for that plot point.
1: Well, but if everyone was dead, like... They might have called no one, and the Huns might have just gotten to the imperial city before anyone could get there.
0: Okay, but I just—I'm. My question is, what's more believable? I think my scenario. Um, is it more believable that a dragon sure. writes a letter, or that somebody in need of of military assistance writes a
1: letter? No, I 100% buy it that a dragon wrote
0: it. <laughs> Actually, I think a cricket wrote oh, it. Oh, that is true. Um, it was composed by a cricket and sort of edited. By a dragon. And he makes a joke about, like, tea and crumpets. The other thing with Mushu, for me, is uh, I don't understand what... What happened to the great stone dragon that he was supposed to summon?
1: I think he just breaks it.
0: So is that... Is he dead? Did he murder this dragon in cold blood to take his place to supplant him as the... Patriarch of the family? That
1: is a good question. Well, okay, like, some part of me is like, is the Greystone Dragon, like, real? But,
0: okay, but that's the thing is, like, okay, so you're constructing a world in which the ghosts are real, the messenger dragon meant to contact the the spiritual defenders are real, but the actual spiritual overseers are made up. This is a weird universe you're building.
1: That's that's very true.
0: Um, So, like, what I have to think is just, like, it's supposed to be, like, the dragon is simply not inhabiting this statue because he knows that it's Mushu's time to shine. But that's weird, too, to me. Yeah. Because he doesn't help at all. That's true. I would
1: say that's maybe the biggest plot hole in all of
0: Mulan. I don't know. I think there might be other plot holes.
1: No, but I think that's the biggest one. What's the deal with the Great Stone Dragon? (laughs)
0: Um, yeah. The
1: world wants to know. The world is demanding answers, Disney. My
0: point is just that Mulan is a great movie, and I think Mushu is the weakest part of that movie. Maybe not... <laughs>
1: really not Cricky.
0: But Cricky doesn't... going to
1: eliminate Crickey? a semi-useless, like, side character, I think I would pick Cricky first. Well,
0: Cricky is made useless by Mushu more than anything. I mean, like, he yeah. could have been a, a helpful companion like Pascal in Tangled, who doesn't talk... And interrupt dramatic moments, but
1: like Mushu is fake Jiminy Cricket. We don't need an actual cricket to like drive that home, more like. All I don't right, know. good
0: point. <laughs> I, or, maybe we should just we should just combine them and make Mushu a, a Mushu Cricket hybrid. Um, that's.
1: But I- <laughs> his unhelpfulness like that's the thing is I like the conflict that Mushu adds to the story maybe I just wish that
0: Mushu sort of represented something in Mulan that she could either face and defeat or accept about herself you know like her self-doubt or something I don't
1: know I feel like they sort of do that at the end where his whole thing is like you're right. I lied to you. And like, I couldn't be honest. Like I'm not the family guardian. I'm just like a messenger. Like I'm just as fake as you are, but like, look, we both achieved some pretty cool stuff and then they continue to go achieve some, some pretty cool stuff. And then like, they're both heroes when they go home. I don't know. I think they have similar storylines that parallel each other.
0: Yeah. I would say all oh, that's pretty much true. Um, let's let's uh let's move on to talking about do
1: we want to talk about another horse movie so so here real quick here are the here are the seven disney movies that have horses and the
0: seven deadly horses
1: the seven, t- seven disney horses um so we got the horse in sleeping beauty who what did we say his name was
0: um uh, samson, samson right yeah
1: yeah we got the horse felipe in beating the beast i think
0: it's just felipe you know it's french it's not spanish Um, no, I made the same mistake. It's Philippe. And Philippe is great. I like Philippe. He's just like a, like a noble companion and he's the smartest horse. Like he just knows how to get back to town and like warn people. And like, he does most of his traveling on his own. He's a very independent horse.
1: Yeah. He knows what's up. Um, then there's the, uh, there's two horses actually in Hunchback of Notre Dame,
0: Yep. Our Notre Dame. Whatever. <laughs> We're going to continue to Achilles be Achilles and it. Snowball. Yeah. Achilles has a butt and he sits on the villains' heads, and that's the joke. Yeah. Um, then Hercules has a horse, which is. Pegasus, but it's also mm. a bird.
1: <laughs> bird horse.
0: Yeah, I think that's like literally in mythology how Pegasus happens, right? Like they cut off the wings of a bird and just kind of staple them to a horse. Oh
1: my god, I don't know, but wow. I wouldn't put it past, would not put it past uh, the Greeks to do that. But uh, anyway, then there's the horse in Milan, which you talked about. Con. Con. Um. There's- Khan
0: helps by Khan helps the story by shielding Mulan's naked body from the male gaze. Yes. Thank you,
1: that's Khan. What,
0: that's what he does.
1: He's, he's also a fast, pretty good yeah, horse. Yeah, no,
0: also transportation and fighting and all the he's, good he's stuff.
1: He's noble. Um, a yeah. noble steed. Um, and then there's the horse from Tangled. Maximus. Maximus
0: whom I love um, because he starts out as like an antagonist. Yeah but like an antagonist against Flynn Rider or Eugene yeah. who is a bad Outlaw, guy in the yeah. beginning. So, he's a police horse who is more adept at policing than the police. That's beautiful.
1: That's a that's a good Disney joke. Um <laughs> Then, finally, we're, in this podcast, counting Sven the Reindeer
0: as a horse. Because he's still transportation, and he's very horse-like. Exactly.
1: He serves all of the purposes that these other horses
0: do. Sven the Reindeer. Yeah. And I think Sven is also interesting in the particular way that they personify him. Okay. Which is... By having Kristoff literally speak for him, yes, in like a silly voice, right? Like that to me, I, f- I liked that a lot, and I thought that you know, like they they probably won't do it again, but I think that that's interesting because it really shows how like
1: not on Frozen, we're too.
0: putting the humanity into these animals. They're not really as human as like Disney is making them out to be. It's it, they're an extension of the people. It's a little around.
1: self-aware,
0: yeah. Maybe it's too self-aware. I just like (laughs) things that are way too self-aware.
1: No, I mean, I'll I'll agree. I like it because I think it also points to some character um, traits for Kristoff, where it's like, this is his only friend, (laughs) is this reindeer.
0: Yeah, that's my point, is I like... It's like, maybe I don't like sidekicks at all as their own characters. I just like what they do for the main characters. And that's what a sidekick is for. All
1: right. So I know I have some thoughts about this, but I'm so interested to see what your thoughts are on right. the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Gargoyles.
0: I have some thoughts. I have some I have some defenses.
1: Also, God, there's, like, a lot of sidekicks and hunchbacks.
0: Oh, yeah, but one of them is actually in the book, so I can forgive it. Um,
1: (laughs) Which one?
0: Jolly the Goat is actually in the original book by... um, Victor Hugo. Yeah, Victor Hugo. And speaking of Victor Hugo, the names of the two male gargoyles are Victor...
1: And Hugo. And Hugo. (laughs) Ha, ha,
0: ha. Um... And then the woman's name is Laverne. I think he was. she was named after the wife of one of the animators. Sure. Um, but she's great. She is. People don't talk about her because they just talk about Jason Alexander, you know, who's very annoying. But um, is he? And very unfunny.
1: Really? I found him funny and not annoying, personally. Am I a bad person? Do I lose, like, all credit?
0: Okay. I think I think it's, you know, humor is obviously subjective. So, like, taking out the humor aspect of it, I do think that the Gargoyles serve more of a function than, you know, Eddie Murphy, you know? like Really? Because if you're writing a scene, and you're writing a scene of the Hunchback, Quasimodo, in his tower... You you can't just have him like talking to himself. And it makes sense that he would create some kind of imaginary friend. I mean, like, you know this whether
1: is... or not they're totally imaginary or not is sort of ambiguous. So
0: that's the issue, right? I mean, like, that's I that you can't defend that. Like, they shouldn't have had the gargoyles pouring hot tar on soldiers and throwing catapults off of cliffs.
1: Or they could have, but they but they needed to like let us know that they were kind of real like in the background or something But
0: I don't think that they were. I think that the intention was for them okay. to be imaginary because because I mean think about it like they they represent so much of what you know they say whatever Quasimodo needs to hear at the at a particular moment. They're either reassuring or you know they invigorate him or they defend his decisions or support him in whatever he's doing Um, and tell him that everything's going to be okay. You know, they're a coping mechanism. And I think that that, I think that that comes across and I don't, I like the problem is just obviously with the fourth wall and they just shatter it because they're like, all right, the gargoyles, here they go. They're just going to fight in this war and kill people.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess that's so true. But like that to me is like, I don't know. Yes, you need to give Quasimodo someone to talk to, but like... Again, like it doesn't. I mean, just... i
0: th- I think that they work because they're not just somebody to talk to. They're his ego, super ego, and id. I mean, obviously, Jason Alexander is very much id. He is pure, you know, gluttony and. No,
1: that's ego.
0: No, id is 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 glutton. No, it's
1: like. The thinky, no, isn't it? id
0: is, is your your animalistic side. Oh,
1: you're right. Yeah, uh, super, super ego, ego is, is your think-y.
0: thinky, more yeah. you know. Oh, the the this is what we must do. This is what we should do. And then Laverne is the ego. It's 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 who you know. It's it's who Quasimodo is and wants to be and how he defines himself. And it's interesting that that is you know a feminine and you know there are feminine qualities to Quasimodo. Um, and I think it's interesting to see him reflected across three different characters. So I'll defend the gargoyles, but they are, they are probably the worst part of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Hercules. Sure, let's talk about
1: the sidekicks of Hercules.
0: So you got Danny DeVito in this one as a horrifying, sexist, uh, little troll man.
1: So his character on It's Always Sunny.
0: Okay, yeah, pretty much. I feel like Phil, Philatides, what, is that his name, Philatides?
1: I don't know, it's Phil.
0: He's, uh, Phil, <laughs> he would probably go around banging some whores. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, go hanging out in the sewer. Yeah. Looking for, looking for gold coins.
1: Swooping for the third round.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, well, yeah, the scraps.
1: Yeah.
0: Scra- scraps for Frankie um you everybody should watch it's always sunny it's one of, it's a great show um but yeah phil phil is a is a womanizing
1: i still kind of like demanding him like i know he's a bad yeah. person and like
0: he's he's a i think he is a bad person but he's a likable bad yeah. person much like much like frank um i think you know he's got he's got goals he's got aspirations he uh you know, he wants, he wants to be the big man. He wants someone to look up and say, Hey, that's Phil's boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, he's, he's got dreams. He's a washed up, like old coach. He, you know, right. he's the coach from, from Rocky, right? Am I right. You know, yeah. Like... They
0: do. They do. Yeah. They do really try to do the Rocky thing yeah. in Hercules. Um, and then Pegasus, I think, is fine. He's just kind of goofy and, uh, yeah. you know, an extension of the immaturity right. of, he, of Hercules. He's got
1: some attitude. He can, like, bro down. Turn into a
0: helicopter for some reason. <laughs>
1: when does he turn into a helicopter?
0: There's just, like, a scene where Phil rides in on Pegasus to, like, interrupt his date, to interrupt Hercules' date. Um, and... He's like, instead of flying like a Pegasus, he's like spinning his wings in like a, like tails from Sonic and like in a way that could not be physically possible. <laughs> he's a helicopter <laughs> and they do like a siren joke. Like it's the police. Right. Helicopters. Right, so right. Right. That's the joke. And then
1: there's pain and panic who are the villain sidekicks. Yeah. I think, uh, I think maybe now will kicks. be
0: the time to talk about villain sidekicks. Cause I love villain Sure. Sidekicks. Um, Do
1: you think you tend to like villain sidekicks more than hero sidekicks?
0: In a way, yes, because villain sidekicks, they are, they are a way to sort of keep the villains from being too scary for kids. They're a way to sort of make the villains funny and interesting by giving them someone to talk to. Like a villain needs somebody to talk to because they don't have friends. They just have minions underlings yeah yeah so yeah you've got pain and panic are like these bumbling assholes that <laughs> are under hades one of the funniest disney villains i would say is hades um and he works because he gets to get really mad at somebody yeah it's funny when he gets mad it is. and so you need somebody for him to get mad at yeah um You've also got um, Iago from Aladdin, voiced by Gilbert Godfrey, who, you know, Gilbert Godfrey, say what you will about him. He's a national treasure. (laughs) Um,
1: It's so bad because the two things that I now think of when I hear his name are either Iago the parrot or the dramatic reading. The Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, the Fifty Shades of (laughs) Grey, where he just shouts, my clitoris! (laughs)
0: It so you're welcome,
1: podcast listeners.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> what other villain sidekicks do we have? Um, you've got uh, from The Princess and the Frog, Doctor Facilier's like shadow, who is personified. Um, that works for me. Um, oh, you got you got Percy the dog from Pocahontas. I mentioned earlier, who is also a representation of all white people because it, they they use. The fight between a dog and a raccoon to represent the fight between Native Americans and white people.
1: And colonialists, yeah. That's a little
0: awkward to me. I don't know about that one. Um, that one's a little rough. Pocahontas is a little rough. Yeah. But yeah, I love villain sidekicks. There's uh, the villainous bird sidekicks are great. Uh, we already mentioned all those. Um,
1: uh, evil Cat and Cinderella.
0: Black Cauldron, which is kind of like an outlier. There's like this creepy little <laughs> goblin man who serves the Horned King.
1: There's also a creepy little goblin man who's a good guy.
0: Yeah, and but he dies, so that's fine.
1: <laughs> Noble sacrifice.
0: Gergi uh, is one of the weirdest Disney characters of all time, yeah. I would say.
1: But also, it's interesting because usually Disney does not kill off like good yeah. guys, like even sidekicks.
0: Yeah, I mean for sure Don Bluth does it all the time, oh, so yeah. that's why Black Cauldron, which was uh, ma- directed by Don Bluth, is this weird outlier in the Disney canon universe. But there was one other um, sidekick who gets who gets the axe, which is um, probably the most fragile Disney sidekick, Ray the Firefly.
1: Okay, you know,
0: like he kind of was just asking to get killed, wasn't he? Because he dove into an action scene and he's a literal bug. <sighs> Very easy to to step on or, you know, hit with a fly swatter. (laughs) But he gets redeemed because when he dies, he becomes a star. And he was in love with a star, the North Star, who he calls Evangeline. And then they get to be together. So it's heartwarming. so sweet. The Princess and the Frog is, like, everything kind of feels a little paint by numbers in that one. um, Because they were kind of just trying to see if they could reboot... um, Classic, the Disney, Disney princess. princess brand. Right. Um, so, you know, you got uh, an alligator named Lewis who can play the trumpet. Mm-hmm. And a firefly named Ray who is a hillbilly. <laughs> or a, not a hillbilly. He's a bayou, you know, what, what do you call this Bayou Billy. A bayou Billy. <laughs> I don't um,
1: know if that's the proper term at
0: all. Um, yeah, so, you know, both of them are kind of useless and kind of annoying but they're also kind of charming in their own way.
1: Yeah. Um, other great villains, Flotsam and Jet,
0: Jetsam? Oh, I completely forgot about Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh my god. Yeah, we should probably talk about Little Mermaid. Little
1: Mermaid. A, a lot.
0: Little Mermaid is the first like movie that is considered part of the so-called Disney Renaissance which reinvigorated uh, the the
1: Disney brand. Um,
0: the Disney brand, for sure, by sort of reintroducing princesses in fairy tales, which people like those. Yeah, I like those. Who,
1: who doesn't like those? Those are pretty good.
0: Yeah. So Little Mermaid has Flounder is like the best friend, but he's also like this nervous Nelly kind of like, oh, I don't, want, oh, that sounds d- d- dangerous. He yeah. reminds me of piglet from Winnie and the Pooh. Yeah, a little bit for sure. Like
1: he's very much like the young. He's, yeah. he's got a useful
0: youthful energy. Um, and then Sebastian is the Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Who is always there to be like, Ariel, you do, <laughs> don't do that. It's bad. Very beautiful um, uh, Your accent there. It's not great. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> I, I take renounce
1: back the whole, it. Like, the whole
0: accent. Yeah. Um, um, and then you have Scuttle, who is a bird... He's a good bird. Though. He's a bird He's from a Jersey.
1: Bird.
0: Was he from Jersey?
1: I, not Jersey bear, but he had like that sort of new thing. He quirky, had like an affectation.
0: I don't know what his affect. deal is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very East Coast.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very East Coast for you know the middle of an for ocean. For a
1: Danish bird. But yeah,
0: Scuttle is there kind of to be like, oh, this is why Ariel doesn't know anything about humans, because Scuttle's given her bad intel.
1: I would say this. If I had to pick one character to cut from The Little Mermaid, it would probably be Scuttle.
0: Everyone would.
1: Like, okay, I find Scuttle a thousand times more useless. I would probably useless. cut Flounder too. Meh, Flounder. short, I guess. He's harmless and, like, doesn't really intrude on the plot, you know? Right. Um...
0: Scuttle does... Scuttle plays the most important role in the plot, Hannah. I don't <laughs> think you can cut him. He goes and he sees that that Ursula is Ursula. Yeah, because
1: they definitely...
0: And that's why that's why Ariel goes to stop the again, wedding. I definitely
1: couldn't have seen another character to do that.
0: Yeah. Flotsam and Jetsam are great. They die. They do. And they are they were her babies. They were. Well, not that her was, literal babies. But, well, she calls them her babies. She's like, my babies. And I'm like, that was more tragic than anything else that happens in this movie. Um, <laughs> I I really felt for Ursula in that moment, um, mm. and then um, oh, uh, Prince Eric has a sidekick. He has a dog named Max, who people think are very is very cute and fluffy. I agree, a cute,
1: fluffy pup.
0: A yep. pup. Um, the villain in Beauty and the Beast doesn't have an animal sidekick, but he has LeFou who is pretty much like inhuman, <laughs>
1: basically an animal.
0: He's, he's not really a human being. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the thing I and With Beauty and the Beast I feel like Half of the cast Is furniture <laughs> So like It's really hard To add in Like additional Like animal Or uh, Like otherwise Very much
0: so We did debate Sort of whether You can count Lumiere and Cogsworth As animal sidekicks They're They're non-human They're not really Main characters Per se
1: Yeah i count them more as like side cast
0: I would agree with that
1: not sidekicks because like there's not like one like if honestly if I had to pick one to be a sidekick it would maybe be Chip because like
0: Chip goes with Belle back to the town for like no reason and then does some like slapsticky stuff
1: right and runs the whole crazy machine to freedom
0: there's so much slapstick in these movies that just happens in the background of really dramatic scenes
1: yeah. Ugh. Which is sometimes great.
0: It can be, yeah. Um,
1: sometimes not so much, but sometimes it's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Olaf I think does that a lot. He'll, like, in the middle of, like, a dramatic scene, like, we... trip over himself and his head will fall off. And like, oh. Do we,
1: do we want to talk about Olaf a little
0: bit? I like Olaf. I think he was underutilized. Or overutilized. He was over-utilized. both under and overutilized.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's fair. Misutilized. Uh, I think... I think the love for him is shockingly overstated, question mark. Well, I, like, I never
0: go by that. I never go by, like, oh, do people love this character too much? Because let them <laughs> love their things.
1: For sure. Well, like, I'll say this. Like, people are allowed to love whatever they want. Yeah. Do I think the Disney Frozen brand has been leaning on Olaf too much? Like.
0: Oh, okay. This is, this is very... Right, this is a totally different point, but I I agree with it, yes.
1: Yeah, in the same way that, like, people love the Minions, who I can't Uh stand. Olaf is Um, now a
0: Minion and has been ruined. (laughs) Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, like, yeah, like, you know, like, I never liked the Minions, but I got it. Other people like Mm -hmm. them. I don't know, does Disney make a lot of sidekick movies? Because now that I'm thinking about it, they made Disney one and a half, which is just a sidekick movie. Not Disney, Lion King 1.5.
0: Okay, but that one's different. Don't talk shit about Lion King 1.5 because. I
1: will not. I love it.
0: Because Lion King 1.5 is actually an adaptation of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern I know. are dead. I know. That's that's amazing. I know. For those of you who don't know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is a play that was written. It's almost sort of like a parody of Hamlet, but it's the idea is you follow the characters of these funny sidekick characters um, because they die off screen and you just sort of follow them in the background of Hamlet. Um, Who who wrote Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Ooh,
1: good question. I should for sure know this. I've
0: seen this play a lot of times. Tom Stoppard. Yeah. So like this was a time where people were starting to sort of experiment with the form. And I think Lion King one and a half was an experiment with the form. Yeah. It wasn't very good. But for a Disney sequel, I mean, it's pretty harmless. Here's
1: the thing. I will say in general, and this might just be my love for the Lion King in general, but I think right. as far as Disney sequels go, the Lion King is pretty solid.
0: Right. Like, and I guess, you know, the reason that that one works is that like the dynamic between, between Timon and Pumbaa is very well established. Oh, for sure. They are a good pair and they have their own chemistry outside of Simba. Um, And they had a TV show. Yeah. And so it only makes sense that they get a movie. Right.
1: Well, not necessarily.
0: (laughs) It only makes sense that they get a direct-to-video movie that was made for like $30. Oh, right.
1: Um, Yeah, the Disney TV shows were not great.
0: (laughs) Some of them were okay. All right.
1: Well, okay. So I also, I think we should definitely talk about Moana a little bit.
0: Yes. Let's talk about Moana. I love Moana. Everybody loved it's Moana. A
1: good, it's a good movie. It's got some, yeah. it's some good.
0: It's got Lin-Manuel. Who
1: doesn't love it's Lin-Manuel? Got,
0: it's got The Rock.
1: Also a, a great actor, dude.
0: It's got probably one of the least problematic plots and characters of a Disney movie about people of non-white race. Color. Yeah. Probably the least problematic, but, you yeah. know, still obviously has its issues. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that has some sidekicks. Let's talk about it.
1: Also has, um, I'm just going to say, like, maybe one sidekick too many.
0: Or two. One or two too many. <sighs> it doesn't have, like, as many as Aladdin, but, like, the ones that they have kind of break the movie. So. Well,
1: okay. I, I think this is where I would agree with you most where there are these sidekicks that, like, are there for comic relief, but like they don't really add
0: a lot. And they hurt you? the logic like, okay. So there's two that I think are good, which are okay. Maui's tattoos, which are personified. Um, Maui's tattoos, I think are good because they represent, you know, his conscience. They're his Jiminy cricket. Right. And then I, I, think, I wish
1: there was more of them is my only complaint. with Sure. Them. That
0: makes sense. Um, and then Hey Hey, I think is fine because he sort of represents the hidden potential in Moana. There's a lot of talk in that movie about like Hey Hey, you know he's got more than meets the eye. He's not just a dumb rooster, and he's Oof. pretty funny in in his interactions with the characters. So you know uh... Maui like is you know treats him like he's food, and Moana treats him like he's a you know like a like a mentally deficient. Stepchild.
1: Chicken, which he is.
0: Yes. Um, and then, you know, Pua, the pig, is written out. It does of the not whole need movie. to be in the movie. It just yeah, out. I don't of understand because he's a good and, toy.
1: But like <laughs> don't why? Like, don't want to have the pig be the thing that you lose on the like don't set this pig up as like your dog best friend and then. Abandon like, him.
0: Especially since you yeah. probably are gonna eat them later after the movies yeah. over. <laughs> right.
1: I can only imagine.
0: Like, yeah. It's not like I they just, don't eat pork and chicken in this world. I don't understand why they would choose the food to be sidekicks.
1: I know. Why not a bird? <laughs>
0: yeah, a everybody bird would loves make so much birds. Sense. I love For birds. Sure. You love birds. Disney.
1: All birds don't have to be evil. You know this. Yeah. you Need scuttle. Even though he's the worst. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> make a good bird sidekick that can fly ahead and warn Moana about danger. Yeah. Or like make it scout for islands.
1: But then like like I don't know. I feel like a bird would have been a great thing. But Maui turns into a bird. Well, so, you know, the um, the um
0: Apparently, early in development, Hey Hey was going to be like a brave rooster who was very defensive. No, of see,
1: okay, I have to disagree with you completely on Hey Hey. Okay, like, I hate him. <laughs> I think he's the worst part of this whole movie. I hate him. He's maybe my least favorite. Okay, I think yeah. All right, Hey Hey is voiced my by least Alan favorite. Tudyk,
0: um, <sighs> comedic voice chicken.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, what, yeah what, what else do you hate about him? Well, lay it on me. I, I don't oh, have too many defenses oh. for Heihei. I just kind of find him a little bit very, funnier than, like, Miko the raccoon.
1: Sure. Um, no, I would say, but Miko has more of a personality than Hey. Heihei. Like, Hey's personality is just that he's dumb. All right, good point. And, like, like, okay, great. Now what?
0: Yeah, I guess, yeah, he's, like, the least personified of the animals. He just kind of does exactly
1: like, like I would have liked Pua better as the like main sidekick. Like, I just don't understand why Hey, Hey, like needed to be around like, so he can eat the stone a couple of times. And that weird coconut scene, like I,
0: I don't know. Somebody storyboarded the scene where Hey, Hey eats the, the gem and then they chase after, after the heart. And somebody thought that was really good. But
1: like, why not have that as just like a random chicken does that before she leaves the island or on another island or like literally like I don't understand why Heihei needed to be like her sidekick pal.
0: So then the other. So, yeah. So if we're fixing Moana, which like we're not, but let's pretend um, we'll get rid of Heihei, replace him with Pua (laughs) um, or something else. Maybe Pua is the runt of the litter, so they can't eat him. So they're like, we don't eat the runt because they're not enough food. It's like, but Pua could be useful for something else.
1: Yeah, like he's not even worth eating.
0: I would definitely babify him.
1: Right, like give him sort of a babe
0: kind of arc,
1: you know? Like, and like I'd be so much, I'd buy a Pua thing in an instant, because he is adorable. He does have this amazingly cute character design. For sure.
0: Um, yeah, and then the other one that I would cut is the ocean. See,
1: I love the ocean, so let's argue about this.
0: Let's talk about the ocean. All right, for me, the ocean is kind of like if instead of having Pegasus as Hercules' sidekick, he had Zeus. Because the ocean is way too powerful for its own good. (laughs) Too old Yeah, like, the ocean is an asshole in this movie. He doesn't do anything comparably, like, imagine I'm the ocean, alright? Everyone's made the joke that the ocean could have just taken the heart and put it in in Te and the movie would just be over immediately. Everyone's made that joke. Yeah. What I'm saying is, maybe he didn't do that because, you know, Moana had to learn something about herself or whatever. But, the ocean could have brought a storm and rained on Taka. That would have been good. Or, or splashed him, maybe? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, like, I don't know, just sort of guided them in the right direction. I don't know. Like, there's a million things that the ocean could have done if it's going to go so far as to, like, literally take a dart and put it in Maui or... Right. Rescue Moana from being stranded on an island. Like, if you're doing that much, do more. The ocean just shouldn't be something that you can high-five. <sighs>
1: I did sort of like it, but, like, I, I see where from, like, a plot structure, the ocean doesn't really work as a side.
0: That's that's second. my big issue. I'm a big plot structure guy, and, and I usually don't care too much about, like, but it's cute, it's fun, and it's spiritual, and it's great. Like, I think the ocean could be there and kind of help a little bit. Like, I love the scene where with the parting of the waters, but maybe it's, like, something that only happens at big, momentous plot points instead of... For slapstick reasons, that's a little iffy for me. Well,
1: how do you feel about, like, when Maui keeps, like, throwing her off the boat and the ocean keeps putting her back?
0: Like, that's, that to me, that's like, okay, well, then the ocean should just be able to whisk them away to the island, like, immediately and solve the whole plot of this movie. Like, why does she even need a boat? You know? Just ride the ocean, why does she even need to learn to sail if the ocean is her friend who really needs her to get to this point? And it's like, because she's got to learn to sail. Because she's got to learn to sail. Well,
1: because then she's got to teach everybody else how to sail.
0: Um, yeah, but I don't know. I thought, like, doesn't her dad already know how to sail? And like, can't he teach her? Kind everybody? of, but not well. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Maybe maybe the ocean did. Yeah, this is the other thing. Oh, this, this is my biggest problem. The whole reason that they don't go outside of the reef is because the ocean is keeping them from going outside of the reef. Oh, right. So it's this weird thing where they're being stopped from progressing by the ocean, where they probably, you know, like, if the ocean wasn't so turbulent, maybe, like, just her dad could have just gone and, like... Found the heart at the, in, out in the ocean and like delivered it to the to the island and you know done all the right. stuff before Moana's even born. Um, and the only reason he didn't is because his brother died or, or I think it was his brother um, yeah. died from the ocean right. just literally straight up murdering him. Like <laughs> the ocean is an asshole.
1: Right. Like I think the problem with the with it becomes like. If the ocean is personified, how personified, when is it personified? If it's personified
0: like, enough to give you a high five, that's too much.
1: <laughs> okay. too much
0: for me. If it can give you a high five, it can do anything a human can.
1: We talked about this a little bit, or like I mentioned it, but I wish Maui's tattoos were a little bit more yeah. present. I think there like, were some
0: good bits with it, though, like... The idea of like flicking the tattoo, you're, you're sleeping in my armpit, you know. I love that stuff. It's cute.
1: No, I, I absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, I just think that, like, I think if we remove Hey Hey and Pooh is going on like his own Moana esque journey.
0: We can do a whole episode <laughs> where we just fix Moana, by the way. Because I have a million more thoughts on how to fix Moana. And it's only because I love yeah, it so it's much. It's a good movie. It's um, really, it's really one of my favorite. It's my favorite f- CG, you know, computer-generated Disney okay. movie. Um, and it's one of my favorite Disney movies, I would say. It's just it's just charming, and the characters are yeah. likable, and the music is living well. <laughs> and, you know, it's just great. Do, do
1: we want to talk at all about uh, Tangled or, like, Treasure Planet?
0: I have some... I have a tidbit about all Tangled. All right, let's, let's touch Tangled on Tangled. Tidbit. Yeah. Tangled, um, so, it. Pascal is nonsensical. Like, why is he there? All
1: right, so we'll throw him in the useless pile.
0: People like Pascal. He's useless. He doesn't do anything. He's no different than Flit from Pocahontas or, you know, any of these other, like, oh, I'm very protective of my princess. You know, he's exactly the same. Also, why is he named Pascal? I will tell you. He's named Pascal because... One of the writers or animators had a pet iguana named Pascal, and they put him in the movie. Cool. Like, doesn't that? I don't know. Is that cool or is that kind of sh- hits me the wrong way? I'm like, as a writer.
1: No, I'm saying cool, very oh, okay. ironic. Okay, I thought you were like cool. <laughs> like, great. What a what a what a dumb. I mean, like, I don't know. As a as someone who likes to create things, I totally get the impulse to put things you love. And into it's interesting that, that they that love.
0: Create. Like the audience seemed to love it too, you know, the intended audience right. I and mean, children. Yeah. Um, but like me as a grown-up who loves to watch Disney films and overanalyze them, <laughs> why aren't they looking out for me? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't
1: they servicing my needs?
0: <laughs> but like, you know, I, I think that the best the the best Disney sidekicks are the ones that feel not forced in there. They feel natural. They feel like they were just going to be there regardless of whether this was a Disney movie or a live action movie. They were just there. All
1: right. Do we have any takeaways? Yeah, I think... For, like...
0: Takeaways? I think the takeaway is a a a sidekick should be... It should feel natural. You shouldn't have sure, to... Sure. They should have a purpose. You should, they should have a purpose both in plot and in character, you know? Like, they should flesh out a character... They, they aren't, you know, they don't have to be perfect characters on their own, but they need to be foils or, you know, representations of, of something. And
1: they need to add to the character's journey and like, if they do or not can be up for debate, a la Mushu.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think Mushu is definitely up for debate, which is why I thought it was a good centerpiece for this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: glad that we talked about
0: it. Yeah. Um, and just, we like them. We buy toys of them. They're marketable, but you don't need to treat them like marketing gimmicks, like Olaf. Yeah,
1: like stop making – I think everyone has pretty much panned the Olaf movie that came out, right?
0: Um, I don't know. My, I have some friends who are like, you know, it's probably the best Olaf has been, but it's <laughs> like he's still Olaf. Right. Um, yeah, my thing with Olaf, I don't know, I, I didn't get a chance to say this, but I, oh, think, sorry. Yeah. I think Olaf um, probably would have been better as a sidekick for Elsa instead of Anna, because mm. that would be more contrast. Yeah. Be a better foil, you know, like Olaf could kind of be a representation of the childhood innocence of when Elsa and Anna were best friends, which would serve Elsa well as she's trying to isolate herself and be lonely, and then she just keeps getting bugged by this snowman. I don't know. Like that to me, I think would work a lot better than having Anna as his foil where like they're pretty much the same. They're just very optimistic and yeah. innocent.
1: I, I haven't seen Coco yet, but is there a sidekick in that?
0: There's a dog named, uh, I think his name is also Diablo, but he's not a, <laughs> an evil bird. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. I've heard it's like one of the best Pixar movies yet. yeah people are raving about coco i'm definitely gonna have to see it um but yeah like you know there's sidekicks in pixar movies too but we've been talking about disney animation maybe we should have opened with that but i don't know um (laughs) if there is any that we missed that you wish that we talked about um we didn't talk about tinkerbell we didn't talk about um timothy q mouse from dumbo his name is Timothy Q. Mouse. Well,
1: also, again, like, Dumbo, it's mostly animals, right? Right, right. Like,
0: That's true. Um, I guess we talk did talk about, about the Lion King. We didn't talk about Jungle Book because those are all pretty much just main characters. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> didn't talk about Morph from Treasure Planet.
0: Yeah. For all of you Treasure Planet fans that are like, where's the, why aren't they talking about B-E-N, the, the, the robot ben. voiced by Martin Short, <laughs> calm down. No one talks about Treasure Planet.
1: <laughs> if you want to talk to us about Treasure Planet, you can for sure tweet at us at Talking Tropes.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll do a. Maybe we should do a call-in show specifically for Treasure Planet fans. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, no, for sure. Tweet at us if you have opinions at Talking Tropes. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, do it.
1: We want to hear back from you. Uh, if there's any tropes that you want us to talk about, yeah, you can message us there. Please. Um, if we if we choose your topic, we'll give you a shout out.
0: Yeah, and let us um, know what your favorite uh, what your favorite sidekick is in Disney yeah, lore. Cause for we, sure. Because you know, I like Turk. She likes Mushu. And uh, both we're of us. We're still friends. And we're still friends. Yeah, we can still be friends, even if you yeah. do. Even if you do like. Um, oh wait, who's my least favorite? Even if you do like Miko, the raccoon. <laughs> like, like I we love you bridge. anyway.
1: We can bridge that gap.
0: We can absolutely bridge that gap. Um, all right.
1: That's the Disney message.
0: All right. Talk to you later. This has been Talking Tropes. Bye. Bye. Bye.